So 1 Corinthians chapter number 4, beginning in verse number 18. We're talking about the kingdom of God tonight and how God works in our lives. And God doesn't want us to just be in in a transactional, uh, feeling-less walk with the Lord. God wants to, in reality, touch you, change you, to bring his his spirit, his presence, and his power to your life. And and, and one of the things that we see in our nation is we just want to feel better. That's all we want. We just want to feel better. We want a Big Mac when we want it. We want this when we want it. We just want to feel better. But God doesn't just want to make you feel better. God wants to change your life. God wants to knock down those walls we talked about. And, and, And one of the things that we need to understand is that God hasn't changed. God is the same. That's one of the aspects about God or an attribute of God is that God never changes. He's the same God he always has been. He, he existed before anything was created, before he spoke this world into existence. God existed. That's why he says, I am. You need to understand this about God. God doesn't change. Now, God gives you free will. And you can make choices, and your choices may may rearrange what God's going to do in your life. If you don't ever think about God, you don't put your mind on God, guess what? You won't be kept in perfect peace. If you you walk in the flesh, guess what? You're not going to have the power of God. You're not going to be walking in the Spirit, are you? God gives you that free will. The choice is ours, but God doesn't change. He just gives us those choices, doesn't he? but he never changes. So he's the same God he always has been. And he didn't retire. God never retired. When when the Bible was finished being written, God didn't retire then. He never has retired. He don't need to retire. He's God. He's, He's the active spirit deity of all of existence, of all of creation, and he doesn't retire. He doesn't grow weary. He doesn't, he doesn't grow gray hair. He doesn't yawn and nap. He's God. He is God Almighty. And the world that we live in is the world that he created by a word he spoke. That means he lives in the real world. We live in a world that he made. This is not the real world. This, is, this world that we're in right now is going to come to an end. Peter says it's going to burn up in a fire. How's that for global warming? It's going to get real global warming one day. The Lord, it says, the Bible says the Lord first time destroyed the earth with water, and the second time he's going to destroy it with fire. God's going to burn it down. He's going to burn down the house. But he's going to pull his saints out first. Come on, he's going to pull his saints out first. The trumpet's going to sound, and the dead in Christ are going to rise up. Amen. Gravity will have no hold on you when the trumpet sounds if you're a child of God. Amen. And so God never changes and he gives us these these great opportunities. And But I want you to see that God, that God doesn't retire. And you see uh, th- that sometimes we have concepts in our minds that, you know, well, that's how God used to move back yonder. That's how God used to move back yonder. Well, you know what? If God was ever one way, he's still that way. If he ever did a thing, he still does a thing. And if there's something he won't do, he still won't do it. Come on. 
Has he ever blessed adultery? Then stop lying to yourself. He never will. Has he ever set a captive free? Then don't let the devil lie to you. He'll set you free. Has God ever healed a broken heart? Stop letting the devil lie to you. You don't have to stay broke up no more. God can still heal you today. Amen? God doesn't change. He's the same. If he is ever one way, he still is. And if he was ever not one way, he's still not that way. No matter what our generation says, God doesn't bless Adam and Steve. God honors Adam and Eve. Even if Eve wants to identify as Steve, he still don't bless it. You don't care what you identify as. Your identity has to be in Christ and Christ alone. You don't get to dictate to God what you are. You don't get to dictate to God what you are. You submit and surrender to how God made you. Amen? And who you are in Christ. Amen? Before the cross is one thing, but after the cross is a totally new thing. The Bible says old things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new in Christ Jesus. So any... Any person and every person has an opportunity to go to the cross, get the blood appropriated for their own selves, and come away a new and completely different person made new in Jesus' name. So you don't have to say, well, that's just how my family is. I just got a temper. You just better run. When I, hit my, when, when I get up here, you just better run. That's how my family always was. Well, you know what? It don't have to be that way. That's a lie from the devil. You are not, look, if, you're, if you are a born-again, blood-bought Christian, amen, your family is not what it once was. Now you're part of the family of God. Now you're part of peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control and goodness and faith and love and joy above all measure. Now you say, well, I just got joy. It runs in my family. What family are you talking about? The family of God. Now I just got peace. I mean, the bottom can fall out of the boat, but I know God's got me. I got the peace of the Lord. It runs in my family. It runs in my family now. I'm on the other side of the cross. It runs in my family. You see, we, we, we always talk about things, you know, I, that's just how my family is. We always do this and we always do that. But you know what? You're not who you used to be if you're a Christian. You've got to get this thinking, thinking out. You've got to know who you are in Jesus. You've got to know that you've been bought and bought with a price. It wasn't money. He was sold for money, the money of a slave, the money of a servant. That's what he was sold for, those pieces of silver. But you were bought with something more precious than that. You were bought with his own blood. He paid for you with his own blood. And when you receive that, when you receive that payment, you don't come out the same way you went into that. You get up. That's why I tell people, they say, you know, talk about leading somebody to the Lord. I say, well, you keep praying until you're changed. Well, how do I know I'm changed? You'll know. I call it the knower. You'll know that you know that you know. You, you pray, you go to those altars, don't let any, look, if the church turns the lights out, let them turn the lights out. You'll be all right. Amen. You'll be all right. You get locked up in a church, you'll be mighty fine. Amen. 
Just take care of the church mouse, right? But you know, sometimes we've got to learn that we need to tarry at those altars until God does a work in us because God still does a work. God still works in our lives. And sometimes, sometimes we, we keep things on a transactional basis. Well, I went to church, so I feel a little better. You know what? That's okay. Let's pat you on the back and give you a high five. But it's not about feeling better. It's about getting up different. And sometimes God's got to mess up your feel better to get your attention. Sometimes God's got to get, get a hold of you and, and, and so, you know, how we are. It's all about us. It's all about, you know, well, I just didn't like, you know, they sang that worship song for five times. I mean, gracious. I thought they was going to do a sixth one. I was about to fall out. I'm going to have to, you know, well, I just don't like how they do this. And I, you know what? Sometimes we've got to get past that and look at what God's doing and realize, you know what? It's not about how I feel. It's about God changing me. And sometimes, sometimes I need to look and think, you know what? There are, it's a possibility that I'm not seeing this the way it is. Because how many of you know that there was a time in your life when you didn't see God the way he was? And it's still true today. And you've got to come to God with a, a broken and contrite heart. That's when you'll get clear vision. You come to God all, you know, prayerless, no study of the word of God, no desire for God, and you're going to be blind to what God's doing. But God, look, God is not about just patting you on the back and giving you a high five. He's about giving you a new life. He's about giving you a new life. And in, in that opportunity for a new life is available to every person. You might say, oh, you know, Tom out there, he, that's the biggest drunk in town. Well, you know what? Haven't we all been there and done that or somewhere around there? And you know what? God still saves drunkards and drug dealers and adulterers and adulteresses and homosexuals. God still saves those that are gossipers and murmurers and complainers. God still saves the thief. God still saves the murderer. God still saves the rapist. God still saves the person who went and had an abortion. God still saves the broken, the lost, the downtrodden, and, the, and all those. Listen, it doesn't matter what your background is or what you've done or where you've come from, what tag you want to throw on it. I want you to know that God is powerful enough to change your life. Not only yours, but the people in your home, the people in your family. Look, if God can change you, he can change anybody. If God can pull you out of the gutter, don't tell me he can't pull nobody else. You was a lost cause when he found you. But there is no lost cause in the Lord. And you, you've got to look at it and say, you know what? If God can open my eyes, stop thinking high of yourself, right? Thing like, thing like the Apostle Paul, I was the chief of all sinners. You know what? If God can open your eyes to see the reality of who Jesus is and that you can have forgiveness of sins and new life in Christ, if God can open your eyes, he can open your child's eyes, your grandchildren's eyes, your spouse's eyes. He can open a president's eyes or Congress eyes. He can open a mayor's eyes. He can open anybody's eyes.
And here we get back to the topic of prayer. I got to keep on going so we can get in our text tonight. But, but, but you know, that's why it is so necessary that the church prays. That's why it's so necessary. You've got loved ones, bring them up to the Lord. That's your job. There is no other holy duty that's more important than you interceding for your loved ones. You're called. If you're on this side of the cross, you have a purpose in life to stand, to stand in the gap for those that have no hope. Your call in life is to say, Lord, they're not where they need to be, God. Help them out. Help them to see you. Bring those walls down in their life. Open the eyes, Lord, of their heart. Reveal your truth to them in your scripture, God. Touch them. Heal them. Fill them with the Holy Ghost. That's your job is to stand in the gap for those that you know and love and even those you don't know. Your job is to be in the middle, in the gap, standing, fighting, and contending. Amen? Amen. Most of the time, most of the time, we're in a place where we're not ready to do that because we're, we're, we're too busy yawning. <laughs> Amen? We're too busy yawning. We're too busy yawning. We're too busy, you know, watching ball games. We're too busy having pizza party. We're too busy having this, having that. God is not in the pizza party business. God's not a, the headmaster of a carnival. You know who God is? He's the savior of all mankind. He's the mender of broken hearts. He's the restorer of the breach. He is God Almighty. And he, his, his, his name means that he saves. That's what Jesus' name means. God saves. And, and we're too busy throwing pizza parties in churches to be about the Father's business of saving souls. Of, of tarrying before the Lord in prayer and, and pleading with the Lord to change somebody's life. We'd rather somebody change the paint on the wall than change somebody's life. And that's why, that's why the church is in the place it is. Well, they didn't ask me. I, I would have told them they need to paint it red. They didn't ask me. I would have told them they needed to do this. They didn't ask me. I would have told them they needed to do that. Yeah, but when did you, t when did you ask the Lord to start saving folks? When did you stand in the gap and ask the Lord to change people's hearts and their lives? That's your purpose. That's your purpose. The rest of it, it'll work out. It'll, my grandma used to say, it'll come out in the wash. Y'all know what that means? It'll come out in the wash. It, it'll work its way out. It'll come out. You've got to do what God's called you to do. Just stand in the gap. You've got to understand, look, it, it's one thing to say, oh, look at, the, look at our nation. I mean, our nation is just going down the tubes. Our nation, you know what? We can complain. You can get on Facebook and you, you can get on social media. You can get on all kinds of stuff. And before you know it, you're going to think all kinds of stuff. But who 
is interceding? Who is pleading with the Lord to save? Who is pleading with the Lord to change lives? Who is fasting? Who is praying? Who is tarrying? Who's doing that old-fashioned thing? Praying things through, holding on, holding on to that promise, holding on to that person, and holding on to God and saying, I'm not letting go. Just like Jacob, when he was wrestling with God, he said, I'm not letting go till you bless me. I'm not letting go. We don't have that anymore, and nothing's going to change till we get that. It's that that God is trying to get inside of us, that fight, that gumption that says, you know what, Lord? I'm going to come. I'm going to stay at this altar, and I'm not getting up till I change, till you change me, God. You've got to change me, or you've got to change my loved one, Lord. If I die on this altar, I die on this altar, but I'm not getting up the same way I came down. That's what the church desperately needs in this hour and God is doing it. God is raising up people all over this nation you, and you know why you don't see it? It's because they're not on TV. They're not on TBN and they, they're not Facebook live in their prayer meetings but God's moving. I, I've, I've hear of prayer meetings all over the nation lasting sometimes three hours, five hours. God moving. People saying the same thing. We got more people at prayer meeting than at church. People won't leave. God's moving. Amen. Amen. Praise God. We got to get a hold of God. We got to bring the Lord in the situation. Amen. How many, you know what? It's one thing to fight your battles, but it's a totally different thing when God comes in. It's a totally different thing when God comes in and on the scene. You can, look, you can see this all through the life of Israel. Every battle they fought, when they just went out ahead of God, they lost. We call it getting over your skis, right? You kind of get ahead of yourself. You kind of get the, the, what is it, the cart before the horse. When God brought Israel out of Egypt, he brought them out with what? A cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. When the cloud stopped, they were told to stop. Amen? And you know what? If they kept going without the cloud, they would have died. But if the cloud moved and they did it, guess what? Same thing, they would die. You've got to go in step with the Lord. Amen. The Lord, the, the, the Lord is, is stepping certain ways, and the church is stepping different ways. Can I say it like that? The, the, the Lord has a movement. The Lord moves wherever he wants to move. And we're too set in our ways to stop and ask the Lord for direction. And see, it, it was a necessity that Israel follow that cloud, their life depended on it. And the reason we walk around powerless, derelict from victory, the reason we do is because we're not willing to wait on God and let him lead us. And let him lead us. You know how God leads, don't you? God leads through his peace. He leads his people out in peace, he says in Isaiah. When God leads you into something, he's going to lead you in it in peace. He's going to give you peace over it. Peace, you, you'll say, I, I don't understand it, I, but I feel it. Amen. You know what? If you understood it, you wouldn't need God's peace, would you? 
Okay, let's get in this message tonight. First Corinthians chapter four, beginning in verse number 18. Praise the Lord. It says, now, some are puffed up as though I would not come to you, but I will come to you shortly if the Lord will and will know not the speech of them which are puffed up, but the power. Hmm. We got some smooth talkers in the Corinthian church. And, and, and these smooth talkers are leading folks astray. And Paul said, look, this is how the order needs to be. And I don't care what they say. Whenever I get there, we're going to see if there's any power behind what they say. We're going we gonna to put everything on the table and see what's what. That's, that's, the, that's the attitude of an apostle. Okay. And so Paul said, look, we're going to see if they got power behind what they're saying when I get there. Watch this. In, in the very next verse, he said in, in verse number 20, for the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. You know what? Some people can wax eloquent words. Some people can know a lot about nothing. And some people can say a lot about nothing. But God is a God of something, of power. Power to change lives. See, the Corinthian church was all messed up. They, they were messed up because they were allowing sin in the camp. They were allowing sin in the church, and they were turning a blind eye to it. They knew things weren't right. They had been taught that this wasn't right, but they looked the other way. They knew it was wrong, but they proceeded anyways, and they put, they, they put their seal of approval on their church, and they told Paul, look at our beautiful church. And it wasn't beautiful in God's eyes. And so the apostle Paul kind of brings them into correction. And he said, look, you got all these words. You're going to tell me what it is. I'm going to come and we're going to see what it is. Because it's not about your words. It's about the power of a changed life. I want to see fruit from the root that you're connected to. If you're connected to the root, which is Jesus Christ, he's the root and the offspring of Jesse. If you're connected to the root of Jesus Christ, you will not be who you used to be. And you will not allow others to say they're of God when they're not. So they had all this stuff going on in the church and people were turning a blind eye to it. They, Because why? Why do you turn a blind eye to it? Well, you know what? If I say that, I'm going to make people leave. I mean, we're trying to get our second building. We, it's going to set us back five years if I do that. It's going to set us back three years. We're not going to get where we want to get. Everybody wants to come to church and have big church numbers and things like that. Look, if God wanted big church numbers, he'd let everybody in. But the only ones that come in are those that come through the door of Jesus Christ. And if you come through the door of Jesus Christ, the mud on your shoes gets left at the door. 
because he's holy. And when you come through that blood, he cleanses you from all iniquity and he gives you the authority over those things that used to have authority over you. He's been given a name above every name that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and those things that once lorded over you, now you have power over them because you belong to the one who is King of kings and Lord of lords. So that used to have authority over you, but no more. No more in Jesus' name. And that's what the Apostle Paul was getting at. He said, these people are saying they're of God, but they're allowing sin in the camp. They're allowing ungodliness in the place, and they're saying they are beautiful. They're saying how great God is moving in their church. And he said, we're going to see. When I come, we're we going to put our words all together and we're going to see who's got the power because God's kingdom is moved not by words, but by power. You see, God, God, doesn't, God doesn't need eloquent speakers. You know what? Jesus said, Jesus said, tarry in Jerusalem till you learn how to talk. That's not what he said. Acts 1.8. He didn't say tarry in Jerusalem till you learn Greek. Terry in Jerusalem till you get a PhD. Come on, take five years out, get at your PhD. He didn't say Terry at Jerusalem till you learn how to write a book report. He said Terry in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. The power that is available to you, it comes from on high and it's available not to the PhD, not to those that speak in Greek, not to those that give book reports, but to those that will tarry at an altar. Oh God, I need you. God, I can't do this without you. I need you, Lord. I need you. I need you desperately. I don't want to go through the motions anymore. I don't want to fake it. I can't go through this anymore. God, I need the reality of the power of God in my life. And I'm going to stay and tarry at this altar, Lord, until you do something in me. I want to be like Jacob. I don't want to let go till you change me. I don't want to let go till you change me. I'll stay here all night, Lord. I got coffee. I got coffee, I got this, I got that, whatever, Lord, but I'm just going to stay here. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to tarry. I'm going to tarry, Lord. You know what? It's amazing. It's amazing because the power of God is available to those that are willing to tarry, and we never do. We derelict ourselves we short-circuit ourselves from the very power of God that is available to us. It would be like God just simply telling you, I've got the power to set you free if you'll come get it. And we do everything but that. We'll go talk to psychologists and evangelists and prophetess and thises and thatses. We'll go talk... We'll go talk to the wall if they'll let us. We'll, and then we get under, we, we start feeling bad. We'll put money in the offering plate and we'll serve on a committee and the whole time there's an underlying principle problem in our life and it's only the blood of Jesus Christ that can change us and set us free. And only the power of God can give us that new life 
but yet we'll do everything else under the sun except go to the one who can set the captive free don't we remember that who the son sets free is free indeed amen we we are a slave to no man we are a slave to no sin we are a slave to no devil if the if the son of god has set us free then we are free we have liberty we have freedom in jesus christ that God has given his children. And it's time for the children to grab it. It's time for the children to come to the Father and seek and plead and tarry and wait and listen and be endued. And be endued. Look, Paul said, the kingdom of God is not words. It's not Book reports are great, but God never called you to give a book report. God never called you to do this, do that. Look, if you want to study another language, that's great. But if you get a hold of the Holy Ghost, he'll give you another language. Well, I'm learning Hebrew. I'm learning Greek. I'm learning this. I love what Smith Wigglesworth said. They said, how do you study the Bible? He said, some study in Greek, some study in Hebrew, but I choose to study it in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I like that. But you know, but even if you get out on a mission field, you're in some foreign country, if God brought you there and you need to speak that language, that language will come out of you in Jesus' name by the Spirit of God. God still works in that way. He's, look, if he ever did one thing, he still does that thing. And if he never did a thing, he don't do it now. Come on. God sets the captives free and God endues with power those that will tarry. The power is there. Amen. The power is there. The power is there. Now let, let, let's, let's go a little bit further in this tonight. Um, let's go over to e Ephesians chapter number one. Ephesians chapter number one. So that, that, that over there, when the Lord said, tarry until you be endued with power from on high, do you remember, as you're turning to Ephesians, do you remember why Jesus said he was going to empower you? Because look, there's one thing, and, and you know, I'll, I'll preach a sermon on this if I don't watch out. But there's one thing about it. The Lord did not endue you with power from on high to do backflips. to be his witness that's what he said so that you can be my witness so that you'll have holy boldness so that you'll be equipped so that you'll be equipped to the task of leading other people to Jesus so that you will be equipped power what to be a witness you know what you can't do it on your own you can't live a holy life but if the Holy Ghost is in you, he's going to lead you to live a holy life. He's going to lead you to a holy place of living. He's going to lead you out of the pig pen into the Lord's house. It's holiness. Without holiness, no man will see the Lord. That, that message right there, it has to come back to the church. 
We, we've got to get our mind out of the gutter. We've got to stop thinking carnally. We've got to get our minds off of those kinds of things and begin to know that God said, without holiness, no man will see him. We've got to get a hold of that. All our stuff going on in the church world, I've got to get on this. We got some stuff we got to get settled in the church world, though. And it's time to do it. You know what? There's people's lives depend on it. You know why people's lives depend on it? Because because the, the devil will allow you to have a form of religion as long as you don't know the what? The power thereof. The reality He'll let you go through the motions as long as you don't know that you can be a changed person in Jesus' name. He will allow you to have a form as long as you don't know the power behind it. Now, here in Ephesians chapter 1, the apostle Paul is going to get into a, a, a prayer that he's praying for the Ephesian church, but it's something we, we want to get in. Um, let's begin in verse number 16. Apostle Paul said, I, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Look, you don't need to know how many stars there are in the sky. You need to know the one who put them there. Stop fixating on things that God never says. You don't need to know how many fish are in the sea. You need to know the God who put them there. Amen. Revelation and the spirit of wisdom comes from the knowledge of him. Amen. Not from the knowledge of all that stuff. We, we, we missed that. Now watch this. In the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Now listen to this part. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us word? who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Now, let's back up a little bit and let's get into this. The eyes of the, the eyes being enlightened, that is the revelation that comes from the spirit of God. That's when something gets caught, not taught. If the, if, the, if the Holy Spirit gives you revelation on an issue, you've caught it. Amen? It wasn't that somebody taught it. You caught it. Revelation. Revelation is how God advances the kingdom. Revelation is how God advances the kingdom. Revelation takes it from a book report to a reality. Revelation is when the living God makes it real to you. 
That's why every time you get and you pray and you read the word of God, you ask God for understanding and revelation. That's what makes it become a reality. You go, wait, you mean I really can have peace all the days of my life? Even if I'm in a prison? Well, look what Paul and Silas did. They, they were in prison in, a, in midnight, in the middle they were in prison and they were chained up and yet they began to worship? I mean, who set the temperature? Who set the thermostat to 72 so they felt comfortable to worship? Who was playing the drums so that they, they, they were kind of induced into it? Who, who, who turned up the bass? Who turned the lights down and the strobe lights on? Where'd the smoke come from? Where'd the laser lights go? Where was the screen with the words? Wait, wait, wait. You mean they didn't have any of that? You mean not only did they not have that, but they was thrust in the innermost part of the prison? Put in chains? Probably not gently. And they began to worship in, at the midnight hour. You know why God said the midnight hour? You know why God said the midnight hour? Do you think it's really relevant to the story? You know why he said the midnight hour? It don't get no worse than that, does it? Mama used to say, nothing good happens after 10 o'clock. Sound like Forrest Gump. But Mama said, nothing good happened after 10 o'clock. But you know, there they was at midnight in prison. No screen, no laser lights. It wasn't 72 degrees, I don't think. Lord, I want to worship you, but it's just too cold in here. I'll do it tomorrow. This is just not convenient for me, Lord. It's too hot, it's too cold. It's too loud, it's too quiet. You ain't complain about that. What'd they do? They worshiped. You know why they worshiped? Because they had the presence and the joy of the Lord. They had the presence and the joy of the Lord. And look, you can have the presence and the joy of the Lord irregardless of where you are and what's going on in your life. When you have money and when you don't, when you have a job and when you don't, when you have a family and when you don't, when you have what you want or when you don't have what you want, you still have God and he is all that you need. He will never leave you and never forsake you and listen, he is more than enough for you. Peace that passes all understanding comforts our hearts through Jesus Christ, doesn't it? The, the, the fullness of joy, it doesn't come from TV. It doesn't come from your team winning a Super Bowl. The fullness of joy comes from the presence of the Lord. Those worshipers, those worshipers get the joy of the Lord. It comes from his presence, his presence. Now, the, the, eyes of the, the eyes being enlightened, that's the revelation. Revelation. It's when things change. God gives you revelation on something, something's going to change in your life. God doesn't give you revelation for nothing. 
He gives you revelation for something. God's leading you, amen, and God's guiding you. Revelation, it, there's a cost on it. There's a cost on it. You know why most people don't have victory today? It's because we've sanitized Calvary. We've sanitized it. Yeah, I, I grew up in a place. You, you grow up in a church, they just count you as saved. We've sanitized it. We've nationalized it. But you know what? When God gives you a revelation on something, God's going to lead you out of an Egypt in some area. Revelation. Revelation is when Pharaoh self is letting go. God's drawing you out. That's what revelation is. God's leading you to a promised land. God's opening your eyes to the reality of who he is, of his precious promise. Look at this next verse. Look at this next verse. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward? Who believe. Can I tell you something? An active faith will receive an active victory. It is the, 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 the power, the, the exceeding great power. Do you realize God's powerful? Do you think, that, you think that you've done something God can't undo? God unscrambles eggs. Tell me he can't. I've seen it. Not eggs, but I've seen him unscramble situations. God can do it. He can. I got to go down this. When, 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 when Herod, uh, when... When John the Baptist was in prison, you know what he was in prison for? It wasn't for his good looks. It wasn't for his name. It's because he said, that's not supposed to be your wife. That's your brother's wife. You know what? They didn't want to hear that. But he said, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. It's not lawful for you to be with her. And you know what? You... you Today's ministers would say, well, look, those eggs already got scrambled. Can't unscramble them now. Got to go forward, not backward. Well, John the Baptist didn't get that memo. That telegraph is still on a horse somewhere. John the Baptist never got it. John the Baptist said, this ain't right. It's not lawful. Y'all need to undo this. And sometimes, you know, and, and you know what Jesus said about John the Baptist? He's the greatest prophet. We, we talk about Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah. Jesus talked about John the Baptist being the greatest prophet. And here he is telling these folks that marriage ain't right. Ooh. Well, we've already, I mean, we've already done Christmas together. I already bought present for her and this and that. We... John the Baptist said, unscramble the eggs in the name of the Lord. And it cost him his head. So what was he? He was a preacher of holiness. He was a preacher of holiness. 
And he didn't let it go. He didn't put a zipper on his mouth. He didn't move the pulpit out of the church. He stood behind his pulpit and he said, this is what the Lord says. That's not right. Cost him his head. We need some of that in the church today. We need some of that holy boldness in the church today. That's what we need. That's what we need. But don't tell me that God can't unscramble eggs. This exceeding great power, it is available to those of us that believe. This power, the, the same power, right? It can unscramble eggs. The same power. Look, who is it available to? The believer. The believer. Active faith has active victory. Some of us are living in victory from 20 years ago because we're not believing today. We're, we're in a place of comfort. We've kind of wallered our little place out, our niche. You, come on. This is how I like it. I don't like it like that. This is how I like it. But how does God like it? How does God like it? Well, I don't like that church because they do this. I don't like this church because they do that. Well, what is God like? What is God like? How, how about we consider the Lord on the matter? How about we bring the Lord into our life for once and see what happens? Huh? How about we do that? How about we believe? Believe and receive victory today. Do you know victory can be yours? You know, the only way that you get it is by believing. You'll never get victory through giving money in an offering bucket. You'll never get victory by, by tapping your toes and singing doo-da-doo-da. You get victory the same way I get victory, the same way all the saints of God have ever got victory. It's by believing. The power is available to usward who be Believe. Believe. Believe and be set free. Faith will deliver you from your circumstances. Faith will make spiritual things a reality in your life. Faith will deliver you from the carnal and bring you to the reality. God's reality, God's reality. That power is available to you. You don't have to get a PhD in nothing. Do you know, it's an amazing thing. God chose fishermen to be his first disciples. And you know what? You might say, well, yeah, but they had a business. I, I, I read some, they had a business. They had their own business. Yeah, but you know what? The Pharisees called them ignorant and unlearned. Amen. Say what you want. Maybe they knew how to make a dollar. I don't know. But they were ignorant and unlearned in the eyes of society. And I'm not calling you ignorant or unlearned, but I am telling you that if God can use them, God can use you. Because God is no respecter of persons. You know what God honors? When you believe on Jesus Christ. If you'll just dare to believe, God will set you free. God will bring victory in your life. 
Your whole family, the, the trajectory of your whole family will change if one person will just dare to believe and grab hold of the Lord and not let go till change happens. And that is the only way people's families and lives are changed. No other way. That's God's vehicle for receiving the power. It's believing, tearing at those altars, waiting on the Lord, trusting him, and not moving until God moves on you. Heavenly Father, we bless you tonight, and we thank you, Father, for your goodness.